in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? We are going to get back into the Raiders a little bit later in the show. But we do have a lot more of the NFL to get to. First off, the Buccaneers blew a 17-0 lead against the Bengals. Oh, you love to see it. They lost 34-23. to um, Don't worry, though. Tampa Bay still leads the NFC South at 6-8. and eight. Carolina and Atlanta both lost. If either one wins yesterday, then there's a tie at 6-8 and eight, uh, atop the division. But because they both lost, they are both 5-9. and nine. And the Saints won, so they are also 5-9, and nine, which means... Five and nine teams right now are one game out of the playoffs with one game or three games left in the season. And one of those teams, Tampa, Carolina, Atlanta, or New Orleans, will host a playoff game. They're the NFC East of this year. This is what happens. <laughs> they're uh, worse, though. Yeah. They're, they're worse. Yeah. Lazy sports taker uh, just thought, uh, is Joe Burrow the next Tom Brady? We're at Brock Purdy gets all this credit, and then Joey B beats Patrick Mahomes and Brady in back-to-back weeks. This guy's an assassin. I would say beating Brady right now is not that big of an no. accomplishment, but Burrow's been phenomenal. Yeah. And I thought the Bengals were taking – I thought they were going to not be as good this year. Like I thought last year was – A little bit of a slump overachievement last yeah. season. and it was going to be – hey, the, not that they were going to be like a four-win team, but I thought they'd be – out of the playoffs or fighting for the last playoff spot there. Uh, they're very good. They have been phenomenal since what it was like the first three or four weeks of the season. They kind of weren't very good. Right. And since then they've been because well, Joey had um, appendicitis, right? They for half a training camp. They've probably been a top three or four team in the league since week four, whatever week that was. You know why I think that they've been able to succeed this year? Because they were a wild card team last year. You don't have no. They str- won the division. Did they? Yeah, because they- so they are beating up the best teams in yeah. all the divisions. But the 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 parity is right. so quick that the be- the better teams of last year aren't necessarily like bona fide contenders of this. Se- correct. <laughs> correct. You sense any give up in the locker room? Hell no. The Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Cowboys forty to thirty four in overtime. Dak Prescott threw a pick six to lose the game. Granted off a receiver's hands to flex up in the air. It's not like he drilled a defender in the hands with it. Dallas, though, is now 10-4. and four, Still a good record, but the last two weeks have been a loss to Jacksonville and a last-minute win over the Houston Texans. Should we be considering the Dallas Cowboys a real Super Bowl contender? I think they're wearing a, a contender's coat, but underneath, I'm not really sure. Because what's a contender's coach? Where it's just like, oh, I, I look the part. I look the part, but I don't necessarily play the part because, as you mentioned, the last two weeks have been brutal. And what was that game before that? Wasn't it the Vikings game? And so last year, everybody was all hyped up on him la- uh, before the playoffs, too. And then they got their ass kicked. And so 
I don't know. The defense is unbelievable one week, and then ESPN says today is the defense good enough for them to win a playoff game. It's so wishy-washy. I don't trust Mike McCarthy. And ultimately, Dak didn't play super well. I believe the Dallas Cowboys are a contender to win the NFC. I do not think they are that far away from the Eagles. They play this week. They're not, I, yeah. I do not believe they they might be better than, but at the very least, they're not very far away from the 49ers. What I'm kind of thinking right now is that the top of the NFC might not be anywhere close to the top of the AFC. Agreed. They could Even cancel though, each other out. They might be the the benefactors of other teams beating up on yeah. each other. And then they once you get to Buffalo, once you get to Kansas City, I, I'm not even considering yeah. the Cowboys. Like there and, and I think that's gonna be the interesting part. Obviously we'll get the Super Bowl and it'll be one game between one and FC team, one AFC team. Right. But I do think ultimately we might have a year where like, oh, the, the three or four best teams might all be AFC teams mm-hmm. this season. But I do think the Cowboys are one of the top two or three teams in the NFC mm-hmm. and th- they can go to the Super Bowl. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Their Correct. path is going to be relatively difficult. We could difficult. say that about six teams though too. Yeah I, yeah, I think in the NFC I do think it's only three. I don't think anybody outside of San Francisco, Philly, or Dallas is going. How dare you take the disrespect <laughs> or put the disrespect on the Minnesota Vikings name. If Jeff Saturday gets hired to coach all of the Vikings opponents the Vikings might make it to the Super Bowl. Vikings are uh, undefeated against the AFC East this year, so just put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah, it's a good question. Now, one of the teams that I do think is actually good, Kansas City Chiefs beat Houston 30-24 to in overtime. Texans have now uh, nearly beaten Dallas and Kansas City two weeks in a row. Lovey Smith effect. I, I'm probably being unfair to like the Cowboys and giving the Chiefs too much credit because my thought watching the Chiefs the last couple of weeks is like oh they're just sort of sleepwalking well, yeah. and still winning whereas like the Cowboys have a close win and I'm like uh oh watch out for it but the Chiefs do it and I'm like ah they're fine they're just they're just coasting right now they could bring a C-level game and they're probably still gonna win like that's how talented they are that's how last minute I can pull it out of my butt Patrick Mahomes is and Travis Kelsey there is there is enough there that you could say, eh, maybe they're not as as high and mighty as we think they are. No, from the last couple their of defense weeks. isn't very good. I think the uh, the absence of Tyron Matthew is huge and will be even bigger in postseason play. But I still am going to side on the fact that they're one of the two best teams in the league, mm-hmm. and maybe they lose to Buffalo because Buffalo has home field advantage, but I, I think the Chiefs would be my pick to win the Super Bowl Best right now. doesn't really hit as hard this year. Everybody's a lot closer than they have in, been in previous seasons. Solid question, for sure. John Morant was ejected on Saturday. Um, so here's here's the situation. John Morant had already gotten one technical foul. So Mm -hmm. second technical foul and you are ejected. John Morant apparently was talking to some Grizzlies fans that were sitting courtside. They were in Oklahoma City, but sitting courtside. And according to the fan, because they actually interviewed the fan, uh, according to the fan, the the fan told John Morant, hey, we got to get it going. They were losing by like 15 to the Thunder. Yeah. Uh, And John Morant said something to the effect, yeah, I know but I need a call from the refs. Yep. And the ref was standing, you know, five feet from John Morant, heard it, and gave him a second technical. The referees... Questioning the integrity of the referee as they The referees, it. when asked about it, or <laughs> talked to the pool reporter, said, uh, yeah, he questioned the integrity of the referees. 
and that's why he was ejected. That one's kind of tough to me. Well, and I re- thoroughly enjoy the fact that Ja Morant's dad, who's at every single game, and and Ja FaceTimed yes. him to go talk to the fans to say that wasn't my fault. And you could tell that Ja was on the floor and said, that's not, that's on me. Because he's the one that made the comment. It, 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 he didn't right. need to make that comment. It wasn't like he was going after the fan because they were berating him. But regardless, it's just... I don't like ejecting people for stupid, petty stuff like that. Like, if it's directly in your face and it's like, and it, they're coming after you as a referee, I understand that. But if it's an offhanded comment, like, come on. Like, it's John Morant. He essentially said, I need a call from the refs. The amount of times you will hear coaches Correct. tell the referee, oh, we got to get that call or call it the same on both ends. We're swallowing our whistles today. Oh, that's, right. that's good. Those are yeah. all the same comment as 100%. what John Morant said. And they don't get, I mean, coaches get teed up, but they don't get teed up for just saying, hey, we got to get that call. Like, well, and coaches have leeway. Players don't have <laughs> that like hierarchical privilege in a way, which it's, is dumb. It was just incredible the way it happened uh but i'm glad john morant facetimed that fan because the story of that fan was she's a massive john morant fan who could i can't remember i can't remember where she lives but they were in oklahoma city and she was like oh i'm going to watch him play because that's close and he gets ejected which obviously sucks yeah because oh i'm a massive john morant fan and now he's not playing and then you get to FaceTime him. So it probably worked out best case scenario for her. He's honestly up there with Anthony Edwards with me in terms of people I thoroughly enjoy in the NBA. He's better than Anthony Edwards. How dare you? Anthony Edwards is a transcendent talent. You've got to be kidding me, Derek. Seriously, though. He's good. Just too bad he's he amazing. He's a completely different physical talent than John Morant is, too. They have different styles. Yeah, one's better than the other, and it's John Morant. No, uh, we'll see. The Browns beat the Ravens 13-3. Nobody remembered this game happened that day. Neither quarterback topped 200 passing yards. Um, there were four missed field goals. Oh, Justin God. Tucker missed one and had He's another one blocked. He's my fantasy kicker! Missed one and oh, had a second one blocked. Uh, so Lamar Jackson got hurt. And in the three games they've played without Lamar Jackson, including the one he got hurt in because it happened early, yeah, the Ravens have scored 29 total points. In those three games. Pay that man his money. Uh, they actually won two of those. <laughs> Still pay the man his money. Uh, but they cannot score without Lamar Jackson. And by the way, to go back to the Bengals, the reason they won the division last year is largely because Lamar Jackson and the Ravens got a bunch of injuries. Yeah, specifically the running back position. And the Bengals sort of took over that division. Yep. And the same thing's kind of happening again here. Uh, I'm curious to see because it's a big difference winning the division versus being a wildcard team because whoever wins the division, you get a home game. Whoever loses the division is going to have to go on the road. Now, granted, you'd go on the road likely against the Tennessee Titans, it looks like. Maybe Jackson. I'm not scared of them. Uh, But you do have to go on the road, and you probably have to win three road games to get the Super Bowl as opposed to one or two. So Deshaun Watson had to miss a few games this year. Does he get a free pass for playing like crap this whole season, or do you think that they're going to start having regrets soon? Okay. <laughs> they should already have regrets. Correct. I know. But, but trust we're, me, we're, if we're, we're, just we're leaving doing the half side. of the conversation away from that. Because trust if, me, I if, agree with you. If we're doing just the football side, I would be giving him the, the benefit of the doubt. Good. I would be saying, yeah, you were one of the five best at this position. You he, didn't play football for two years that's what i mean it's not a guarantee that he reclaims it right i but if i was the browns i would be looking at it from a yeah this is not going how we hoped it would go Correct. but we think you're gonna get back or at least close to what you were 
next season. Now, we get into like week three or four of next season and he still looks like this, then yeah. I, you, I hope for nothing more than that. <laughs> you start looking I, at honestly, it. Honestly, <laughs> I hope the Browns circle the toilet. I was really starting to like them. I really was. And then they pull this. Yeah. It's, they have uh, the best name in sports. I've, uh, I've said it before. I feel bad for Browns fans just because sports fandom is something you like grow up in, whatever. It's not, uh, it's, it's a not holy a healthy thing. thing right? yep. But it's, it's, you're, you bring a, you're a fan of that it. team. And if you're a Browns fan, you either have to disown the team you've been a fan of for so long mm-hmm. because you don't like Deshaun Watson, cheer for the team and be like, I don't like our quarterback. Have which to is, shower after which each is, game. Yeah, which is the hard. It, it's one thing if it's like a baseball team and it's like a middle reliever. Right. For the quarterback of your favorite the NFL face team. face of your franchise. That's brutal. Or, as we've seen a lot of them do, just fully embrace Deshaun Watson and just go all in on well, he's the greatest. Well, he bought the lineman gifts, and so he's clearly changed. And he I feel, cares. I feel bad for Browns fans because those are not three good options that you no. had no, you had no control of right this and is a they, team that you picked to, to be your favorite when you were seven years old right and it's been a part of your life your entire time and yeah. now you have to decide do i not cheer for them or do i cheer for them and try to act like the quarterback doesn't exist i feel well there's a sickness in that too because it's they had what two years of potential greatness with baker when they were able to get something going but before that it was mostly awful so it's almost like well if we went through all of that we're also going to go through this all right coming up next Jeff Saturday. Oh, he's a treasure. Spot. Joseph. Right-footed kick. It is good! And the Minnesota Vikings have completed the greatest comeback in the history of the National Football League. From 33 down, they beat the Indianapolis Colts 39-36. All the players are on the field. And that is the ball game. The Vikings are NFC North champions. And they complete the greatest comeback in the history of the National Football League. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Lindsey Brown in today for Ed Grady. A little bit later, we're going to talk to Ed. We also have tickets to give away to go see Iggy Pop. And later in the show... Tickets to go see Kevin Hart. Uh, he'll be in Las Vegas on New Year's Eve. So stay tuned for that. Uh, fun fact, the Raiders are still the only team to lose to Jeff Saturday's Colts. Uh, the Vikings tried very, very hard to join oh, them for about two they? and a half quarters. But as you heard there, down 33 nothing. Uh, they come back to win. The Vikings scored their first points in that game with eight minutes and 26 seconds left in the third quarter. That means they scored, they overcame a 33-0 deficit in the last 23 minutes and 26 seconds to force overtime and then ultimately won on a field goal in OT. Uh, Lindsey Brown, one of the, uh, we have too many Minnesotans that come on this show at any given point. This is true. Um, how should you feel about the Vikings after falling behind Jeff Saturday's Colts 33 to nothing? Right. But winning the game. Conflicted. Conflicted. But ultimately, it wasn't like the Colts were were doing a lot of things right. It was more the Vikings were doing things wrong in the first half. Most of their points were off of really bad turnovers. They scored, right? The Vikings scored one offensive touchdown? No, the Colts did. I mean, yeah, sorry. sorry. The Colts yeah, scored the one Colts offensive touchdown? The Colts scored one offensive touchdown. So that just illustrates how badly it went in the first half for them. And, I mean... 
that Buffalo game earlier this year kind of, I think, signaled to a lot of us who, who happen to be fans, a, a sickness that it is, that this team is a little bit different. And they're unbelievable in the fourth quarter. That's where all of their comeback victories have come. All of their one-score victories have come. And it was just all you need to do is start chipping away. And they were able to do that. And ultimately, too, their offense is so loaded. And so, it, oh, we'll take Justin Jefferson away from you. Okay, we'll pass it to TJ Hawkinson, who we traded for uh, from the Detroit Lions. Oh, you want to cover him? Okay, we'll hit Dalvin Cook in the screen. Like, there, there's so many different ways that they can go about it. And just the fact that they were able to prove to themselves that you can overcome a deficit like that, that it's possible it, I, I think it bodes really well for them, but I could understand why a lot of people before that game and still continuing don't believe in this team. I'm not fully sure either, but I'm on the wagon because I, I volunteered as tribute. And so at this point, you're just kind of like, we got to see what happens. Uh, are they going to keep winning every game like that? Because that's what they've been doing. God, I hope like not. that was the culmination of it. Yeah, but... too many people shoveling. Plus that we're going to have way too many heart attacks, <laughs> but the health <laughs> and safety hazard, the Vikings continue to win one score games mm-hmm. uh it is kind of incredible like imagine all of the raiders exactly. games this year that they've they've had three walk off wins in the last 5 weeks the raiders have right. while also losing to jeff saturday's colts and baker mayfield's rams imagine if the raiders had won all of their close games that's what the vikings are Correct. Right? the vikings well that's what the raiders did last year too yeah. and man yeah, the vikings are, are are an incredibly entertaining team um i are they going to lose in the first round of the playoffs? They could. They honestly could. I'd put that as the likely scenario right now. But they, they have would, time to like change themselves over the next few weeks to try to bolster that from happening. Right now, they would play Washington in the first round. Who they beat this year? Uh, it could be Seattle. It could be Detroit. It could still be the Giants if the Giants lose. And, and they play the Giants them. next week or on Christmas Eve. So it's it's likely to be one of those four teams that the Vikings play in the first round. They could fall behind the, the 49ers as well. The 49ers could catch them. But well, the 49ers can beat them with like no offense. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like <laughs> the 49ers the, can beat everybody with no correct, offense. Correct. <laughs> correct. Off, their defense is just scary. <laughs> And the Vikings defense is just not. It's weird because you have two really high-end edge rushers and Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith, but they're not getting home as often as you would think. It's almost kind of the same problem that the Raiders have too. But their corners, I like Patrick Pete can make sure that you, you take away a couple of big passes here and there, but it's the underneath that kills them. And I don't know why they keep giving that up because at some point, well, we don't want to give up the big play. Well, I don't want to give up a first down either because eventually they're just going to cut in the field and, and they're going to move their way on down. Do you think it's possible the Colts hired Jeff Saturday to intentionally lose all their games? It could have. I think you hired Jeff Saturday to help mend the locker room first and foremost. I think the results are secondary. Because Jeff Saturday has shown quite a few times now that his um, game management is not very good. Like, in well, this why game, would it be? He's only coached high school yeah. freaking football. In this game, in the fourth quarter, uh, Minnesota had a fourth down with 35 seconds left. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Saturday called a timeout with 22 seconds left to force them to punt. He just let 13 seconds run off the clock. Like you call yeah. the timeout with 35 seconds left, force them to punt that way. It's a great time to call a timeout. You, though. you get the ball. Well, he he didn't do it at 35 seconds. He blew it. Well, he did just, it at if 22. If you had to pick a time to do it at the 35th second, it's a pretty good spot. He's just shown so many times he doesn't quite know how he's managing this team, which I, right, right. We should have expected that. We did expect that. He's just 
not very good. And I kind of believe Jim Irsay might have hired this guy to be like, all right, I like Jeff Saturday. Give him a shot here, but hopefully he loses every single game. So we get a better draft. Uh, I think that happened there. Um, oh, did you see this? Did what? you see the halftime? Uh, the Vikings had mascots play. Oh, yeah. The mascot game is prolific. They don't care. I don't know why this is not at every football game. Yeah. There's the major highlights from years past. You want to talk about the stiff arm of Mac Jones? <laughs> it would put it to shame. And there's uh, nothing better than seeing children just bonk into each other. That's why I enjoy the home run derby so much. The highlight we saw from halftime of this game is uh, Blooper, who is the Atlanta Braves mascot, running through children, uh, stiff-arming one uh, into midair and onto the ground. Uh, It is one of the greatest things that happens when you get adults in mascot costumes running through and tackling like eight-year-old kids who are in full pads to play football. Well, and you love children suffering, oh, so it was right up your alley. Them getting knocked down is hilarious. Put them in it's, their place. It is so great. And listen, is there another point in time where as an adult, no, you get to run, shove, and hit children? The only instance I've seen otherwise is on TikTok where you have these peewee football kids and they said, parents, you guys can do the oh, one bull seen rush. That. Yes. And it's hilarious. And they go against like their moms and dads and they just, they go all it's out. Great. It's fantastic. Great it's way good. to even the score. I'm a big fan of Blooper, the Braves mascot for running through some kids here. Yeah. Very good. It's very good. Goldie's usually the one that's the most violent. How, how do I get signed up for that? I'm not sure. When it's one of my dreams to be a mascot. We got to have some connections in this town. I really think I'm. I would be an incredibly performative <laughs> and animated mascot, and right. I love kids. Coming up next, Ed Grady joins the show. Um, we're just every day, honestly. We're trying to do the right thing. Um, we're trying to get all the right guys and everyone on the same page to do the right thing every day. Because when we do, when. It, when everybody does the right thing, the results are good, you know. And I'm I'm not talking just a game. I'm talking a play. Um, you know, to do the right thing, but it sounds it's familiar. You know, we talked about the same thing 12 months ago. You know, uh, we have to keep playing. And, uh, you know, is it guaranteed? No. I mean, a lot of things got to go our way. We got to work really hard and win this week. And so it starts with my preparation tonight, you know, in the Steelers and you know, moving on. And we kind of get to enjoy it with my teammates. And then as soon as I'm out of here, it's over. So, uh, you know, I think as long as we keep that focus uh, and stay, stay true to what we believe in as a team and who we are, I mean, Josh's message, we, we believe in it and we do it. Uh, he'll give us the keys to win the next game and hopefully we can keep it going. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now is Ed Grady. Good morning, Ed. Still don't believe what I saw. <laughs> Still don't believe it, so it probably didn't happen. Uh, I I have not looked. What did you write after that game? Uh, about the play, uh, I don't even remember what I wrote. It was so it was so crazy. Um, the play, um, how stupid it was in terms of uh, what happened, the dumbest decision ever. Um, kind of kept them alive. I, it was just a, a, a smorgasbord of thoughts after something like that. Uh, are are the Raiders the most entertaining team in sports? They might be. That's a great point. Um, I'm confused because even my dog thinks so, Tyler. The bulldog is looking at me weirdly, so he also <laughs> didn't believe what he saw. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, and not always for good, right? Mostly for, in this year, it's mostly been for bad in these types of situations. But this time, it worked out for them and uh, kept them alive, baby. Kept them alive at 6-8. and eight. They're, still, they're still listed on the ESPN still alive possible playoff teams. When they put them up on the graphic, they put, you know, the teams that are already in. And then to the right, they put the teams still alive. They're still listed on that. You simply love to hear it almost as much as we simply love to hear your voice, Ed. We miss you. But uh, what's your impression of the fully loaded offense? Uh, did you expect more Waller-Renfro inclusion? I did. I think they were on a snap count. I was told that before the game that they were in a snap count. So I'm not sure what that count was. Um, Waller had the one down the seam for the touchdown. Renfro, I think, had what? Maybe one or two catches. I'm not. Uh, that's off the top of my head. Uh, I did expect more of them, um, but if they were on a snap count, then that makes sense uh, because of their injuries. So, um, yeah, I mean, I thought that we'd see more of the entire the entire crew out there, and you know, until the last drive to tie it, they weren't very good, especially in the second half. They weren't very good at all. Certainly not. Um, but yeah, but um, that that play where you know whether he's in or not, uh, it got called a touchdown. I don't know what you guys thought. Um, it was funny. Someone said, had they not been switched off prime yep. time, there would have been more cameras and they might have had a better angle. Um, and I didn't, I didn't realize that at the time that, you know, they, they have more angles or better cameras. I don't know. I'm not a TV guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought they'd, we'd see more of them. But, again, if they were limited, then I guess that makes sense. And I'm I'm surprised that the NFL didn't have a better angle because the best angle we had, I'm pretty sure, was you on your cell phone in the press box. <laughs> yeah, like you was, from your binoculars. Uh, I think was the, best the best angle view. we had was all of us staring at the television, saying, "What do you think? What do you think?" <laughs> oh wait, it was black black uh, turf that came up. No, there's a little white turf that came up. And and here's and you guys both know this: the longer they the longer they looked at it, the, it was going to be called a touchdown. Yeah. So I mean, like two to three minutes in, we're like, oh, it's probably he's probably out, but they're calling this thing a touchdown because they're just talking about it too much. Well, you mentioned the struggles that the Raiders had in the second half. The to start off that second half, the defense forces a three and out from the Pats in the opening drive, but then the offense throws a brutal pick six on the ensuing possession. Ooh, yeah, rhythm seemed pretty much off for the rest of the half. Would you chalk up the latest Raiders second half regression to that or something more? To the pick six, um, no. I mean, it was he. I think he looked right at him. Um, I think he looked right at him before he threw it. Uh, so that wasn't very good. Yeah, they just. You're Lindsay. You're probably right. They just weren't very good after that uh, until, like I said, they weren't even good on the beginning of the last drive. No. I think they had to complete a fourth down pass. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I was shocked know, the touchdown to pass that, happened. You know, <laughs> I mean, if they don't complete that, then the game's over. So. They just weren't very good. Um, and, you know, here we go again with, you know, the team coming all the way back in the fourth quarter. They would have been 0-5 with halftime leads if they had dropped that game um, with double-digit halftime leads, uh, which is just, you know, incomprehensible, you know, that you would get that bad in, with double-digit leads. But they didn't. Um, you know, you got to give them credit. They made the fourth down pass. They went all the way down and got the touchdown. So um, they didn't fold this time, uh, which is a credit to them. And, uh, yeah, and then, of course, the incredibly dumb play by Jacoby Myers to throw it back across the field. It, I, I only know this. It wasn't a designed play. <laughs> like, he didn't say, listen, Stevenson's going to get down to, like, the 25 that he's going to pitch to you, and then we want you to throw it all the way back across the field because that might be the smartest play to throw it back towards, your, back towards the other end zone. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Brain cramp there. And, you know, again, the funny thing is Chandler Jones missed a tackle on Stevenson to start the play and he kind of just stayed where he was. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, 
it was one of those things where, like, he didn't run after the play, but they'll take it that he didn't run after the play because then he catches it and, and you know, Mac Jones uh, looks like a deer shot out of the woods as he stiff arms him to the <laughs> ground and uh, then takes off uh, for the touchdown. So good for Chandler Jones, good for the Raiders. Uh, Chandler Jones got rewarded for being lazy. Uh, and not chasing the play. He ends up scoring the funniest touchdown of the year. Uh, Do you, Mac Jones after the game said he has to make that tackle and send the game (laughs) to overtime, which has got to be the first time a quarterback's ever said, I've got to make the tackle to send the game to overtime. Uh, Should Mac Jones have any expectation to actually tackle Chandler Jones in that scenario? Not the way he looked. Uh, I think he might have been already down on one knee. So uh, he's a much smaller guy and not the way he looked. Um, I guess that's what you say after the game, but no, not the way he looked. I don't think he had any reasonable chance of getting Chandler Jones to the ground. At what point when you're watching that, did you realize the Raiders won the game? Um, When he got past Matt Jones, we all stood up um, (laughs) and said, this isn't happening right now. Um, What just happened? And we all stood up and watched him run all the way. Derek Carr uh, said something funny after the game. He, He was watching on the Jumbotron. And he said after the game, he goes, I don't know Chandler's 40 time, but I was actually screaming, pitch it, pitch it. <laughs> um, you know, maybe to someone faster behind him. Um, but then he took off and his 40 time was fine and, you know, nobody caught him. I'm glad he called his own number because that would have probably added even more. Just like oh, somebody just take it? ownership of the possession, oh. please, yeah. with the love yeah. of the Lord, Jimmy Garoppolo. No, you, you know what would have been the best? If Chandler Jones had done the the uh, classic NFL player move and dropped the ball before he crossed the goal Correct. line. Correct. We start oh. celebrating before five yards before you get there. That would have been the only way to make that play better. That would have been fantastic. Uh, pretty much the only consistent group on this team has been uh, the special teams unit, their special yeah. group uh, in general. Who's more important to this team at this point, AJ Cole or Daniel Carlson? Ooh, good point. We, you know, Thank Daniel you. Carlson is great at field goals. He's had a little trouble extra points, not lately, but he had some trouble in his career. And we were sitting there, we're like, all right, what's the most Raider thing that could happen? And when they got to 24 23, we're like, okay, the most Raider thing that happened is he's missing this extra point. And then yeah. he didn't. He made it this 24 all. <laughs> um, it, you know what? It's, it's AJ Cole if they can follow up his punts in the, side, in the 10 yard line without giving up like 30 yard runs. Facts. I mean, he's, he's terrific. Um, and Matt Collins, once again, one of the best special teams players in the league. Got down there and downed it inside the two. I forget what happened on that drive. I don't know if the Patriots did anything on that drive, but the first time, first run, Stevenson went for like twenty-five or thirty. So if you can stop that, AJ Cole is pretty valuable and pretty important. Uh, we'll give you credit for this one, Ed, because you said before the game happened, trap game for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. I got your haha back on the text. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, was, it was a trap game, uh, so they're done for any kind of uh, catching Eagles and. Uh, now it's like all right. Well, I, I think it's Christmas Eve. I think they play Christmas Eve. I'm not. I'm not completely sure on that because I've now gone on and just accept, ex, ex, uh, accepted that they will be on the road. They, um, you know this better than I. They, they, we had them going to Tampa, but since Tampa lost, has that changed or is Tampa still? That would uh, still be the, the scenario, yeah, because it's still it's despite there being six and eight, they still have a one game lead in their division, so it's still oh Tampa. <laughs> I, I feel okay about that game. Well, what, what am I talking about? It's a trap game. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> my God. Tom Brady can't be a trap game. Get, it can't be if it's did. Tom. <laughs> that defense, though. Uh, what, what in your mind is a more improbable win, the Raiders over the Pats or the Vikings over the Colts? Oh, what a great question. I'm bringing fire today, Ed. 
you are. You are bringing fire today. I just still think it's the Raiders. That was the buffoonery of that play <laughs> and the nonsense of that play um, of throwing it back like that. I'll say the Raiders, and it was only one play compared to like scoring 100 points in the second half and winning the game, um, maybe because it was the Colts. Um, so I'll say the Raiders, but your team, uh, the Ken doll, mm-hmm. uh, and then the Ken doll win the division. I believe they so. Did. He's yeah. one for yeah. one. Ken doll. Yeah. He's doing great. San Diego state kid. Of course. Of course. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> look at that. Look back at that lens. All those San Diego state guys, they succeed. Something um, in the water. <laughs> Something, yeah. Down on the mean streets of Laguna beach. Um, <laughs> No, I, I, I will go with the Raiders on that just because of the buffoonery of the play, and I got to see it live. All right, before we let you go, did you watch the World Cup final? Yeah, the entire thing. I, I, I waited till the end to head to the Raider game, yes. I, uh, I know you are not uh, like a massive soccer fan, but you don't no. hate soccer. Uh, is it fair to say that's the greatest single sporting event of your lifetime? Oh. Watching it on TV, yes. Watching it on TV, yes. I've been fortunate to be at some great sporting events, but yeah, it probably is. It probably, what am I saying? <laughs> like, I've been in Beijing at the Olympics that had some incredible moments. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, you know, um, London Olympics, stuff like that. But, yeah, it, ha- it has to be. That was absolutely amazing. I was thinking of you during that. You must have been uh, over the moon with that kind of game and that kind of final. Um, <laughs> it was amazing to watch my wife watch it. It was one of those things where – we don't watch a lot of soccer, but you had to watch it. You know, like, you know, we're in that realm. We don't watch a ton, but, you know, that one you had to get up and watch. And it, like, it went over the top of anything you could have expected. So, yeah, I'll say yeah. And you are all welcome for telling you to watch soccer for the last four years or however long. You provided long us with a lifetime yeah. memory. Thank you, Tyler Bischoff. Soccer is, soccer is not boring if you watch that. All right. Yeah. He's Ed Graney. Ed, uh, right. see you tomorrow. See you. Bye. Uh, so there's Ed Graney. All right. Now we've got tickets to give away. If you want to go see Iggy Pop on Saturday, April 29th, he's playing at the Pearl at the Palms. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com, or you can win a pair from us right now. 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. Be caller number four right now at 702-364-1100, and you'll win a pair of tickets to go see Iggy Pop. 24. Side of the net, extra passing. Smith settles, his shot knocked down. It's a loose puck in front. Now Smith scores! Power play goal for Riley Smith, and the Knights tie at 1-1. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter, at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Lindsey Brown is in today for Ed Graney. Congratulations to Eli. He won tickets to go see Iggy Pop. Stay tuned. Later in the show, we're going to have tickets to go see Kevin Hart. Uh, so stick around for that. We're also going to jump back into the Raiders here in a few minutes. But I got a I got a goalie question for you. Oh, um, I like to give you my bad takes on goaltending. They're not always bad. Some of them Among are right. other like, things. like they're meat bags. They're definitely meat they're bags. They're not meat bags. And if I was a GM, I wouldn't pay goalies. I'd just bring up AHL guys and tell one of them more. disturbing take. Which one? The meat bags? No, the I'd only pay him a million dollars. Oh yeah, it's a great it's a great idea. Um. But here's another one where I I have not found, I don't know that anybody does it, but tracking, uh, like, we'll say save percentage Mm -hmm. on poke checks. Obviously, it's not always going to be save percentage because if you uh, effectively execute a poke check, Mm -hmm. then there is no shot on goal and it's not a save. Um, But I feel like goalies should stop poke checking. 
I have no. to believe that they give up more goal uh, goals at a higher rate when they try to poke check than when they just play it normally. If you had it your way, you wouldn't have goalies leave the crease. If you had it your way, you would have no, go- no, no. Goldberg They're taped fine. up to the net yeah, like in Mighty Ducks. Yeah, yeah, stop the puck. But I just it feels like like Logan Thompson gave up a goal against the Islanders where he whiffed on a poke check. Yep. And to me, it feels like if you're a goalie and you go for a poke check and you miss, you're giving up a goal. That's not always true, though. I know it's not always true because uh, hockey players are bad and sometimes they miss the net completely. But I feel like poke checks are too risky that goalies should not. Well, be what's doing your definition them. of a poke check? I'm curious. Because there's so many different shades the guy, to the it. Guys skating in with the puck. And okay, so like the goalie, goalie you... leaves the net. And no, he doesn't have to the... leave it. Okay, he well, can that's... be in the crease and just he can he, be in the crease. He takes his like in so this one. So are Logan we talking Thompson's about it when when he poke checks it to the point where his blocker side hand goes all the way to the end of the the stick, or is it still at the the paddle point? Either one, probably. Because those are two if different you, plays as well. If you stop, if if your main way to stop a I shouldn't say shot on goal, a scoring attempt or scoring chance mm-hmm. is not to block the puck, but I am going to be the aggressor and poke the puck with my stick off of your stick. Mm-hmm. It, wherever you're holding the stick, how aggressive you want to be, I think all of it, it puts you in a bad position. If you miss the puck, you're I disagree. I think if Logan Thompson had better coverage of his five hole, like keeping his, his legs together, honestly, he would wouldn't have that issue, but he's a very long and lanky person. And honestly, I think his stick is a little bit short for him, but I'm not going to get deep dive into that. Like I think his paddle is a little bit short, just his considering how long is not long. Enough. No. And it's just, it, he doesn't hold it on the ice very often, to be honest. And that's, that's partially, maybe he's making a bad decision where he's going with uh, going to a poke check when it's the wrong handed guy. Or there's too much space, or I'm a little bit late on that decision, but ultimately goalie is about stopping pucks, but playing hockey is about disrupting too. And sometimes that is the more effective play. And ultimately you're just at the mercy of your execution of that. But I don't get rid of poke checks because they're one of the most effective things, especially when you have guys coming out from below uh, the goal line and trying to, to come to the front, you can kind of jab at it, but it's more about how far are you selling out? Like I said, if you're, if you're taking that stick and moving your hand from the paddle and going all the way out and selling out that way, like Marc-Andre Fleury does that all the time. Yeah. He also sucks at it. This is, this take is older than Logan Thompson. The take is from watching Marc-Andre Fleury give up goals. goalies. You want to apply some new rules. I get it, (laughs) but it's, it's a really effective tool. And I just think Sometimes there there are better places than others to do that, and so and the way that Logan Thompson has been playing hasn't exactly been the strongest. But at the same time, you don't want people you don't want people deviating from what comes naturally to them in terms of their decision making, their creative sense as a hockey player or specifically as a goalie. And so, I think you can just simply pick your spots better and hopefully have a a better backup option because you should have every single save that you make if you're interjecting out in front of you into space should have a backup behind it. So if I'm going to go catch with my glove, I'm not going to catch it to the side of my body because then if I miss, it's going to go over me. I'm going to catch it in front. So if it if it goes past me, it's going to hit me in the chest, hit me in the face or at least it'll fall right down in front of me. Sounds like a meat bag. <laughs> I just I don't I don't know how else to to go about this with you. <laughs> Because I'm because I'm partially right on all of these goalie takes. Well, we're, we're the most athletic meatbags you've ever met. That is true. We're like breakdancing turtles out there. I wouldn't deny you are more athletic than an actual bag of meat. But yeah, we're probably the most athletic people out there on the ice. 
That may or may not be true. No, that's true. You have to be the best skater on the team if you're a goalie. That may or that's may not be true. That's how we coach them up. Edge work, baby. That may or may not be true. It is true. Good well, in, you're a hockey expert, so I'll trust you. Good in Kate. tight areas. You just poke at me, and I just, I'm like, all right. <laughs> Let's talk about numbers. Let's talk about the magic. We don't have time, how- though. We don't. I bl- I, I kind of blew it by Great. yelling about numbers. You'll be on the show again. We can talk about. Well, I don't know. That's not a guarantee. Again. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, Mark Stone's injury. Mm-hmm. What do you think happened? We'll see if he plays tonight, but he gets hit in the back of the leg foot with the puck. And then about 10 seconds goes by. And then he goes down to the ice. He has to be helped off. Can't put any weight on his left foot. Right. Is out for maybe three, three, four minutes of game time. And then is back out on the ice. Bruce Cassidy didn't give a significant update after the game. He did say he was not hundred percent when he came back. What do you, what do he you wasn't hundred percent to start the game? What do you think happened to him? Like that would cause him to well, not be able to put weight, but also come back to the game. It could be a stinger. Like I, I've gotten hit in places where your nerves literally just kind of numb up and you don't have the same command, the same physical, uh, anything. I'm a little bit late on this, but that's okay. Um, it just depends on where you get hit. It could just be a really bad contusion, but you know, you get hit in your funny bone and all of a sudden you can't just move your arm as well. And so hopefully it's just something like that, but he's taken a lot of chops and he, he plays a tough game. He's not the most physical guy, but he's not afraid to mix it up and he's a chopper in a lot of ways too. And so I, this team is just so beat up right now. And so you just, you don't want to see it, but I would expect him in the lineup tonight. All right. I, uh, can't even tell people that Phil Kessel couldn't be in the, shouldn't be in the lineup because they don't have enough healthy bodies for Phil Kessel. To Phil Kessel, first line winger. He, sh- he should be on the first line, given who may or may not. Well, what did you play. say his course he was? Like oh, plus sixty four. I don't even they, know if they that's had, good. Uh, they were over sixty percent course. over fifty percent expected goals. The only problem is the first line with Phil Kessel on it got outscored two nothing with Phil Kessel on the line. But I can't blame him for that.